Boys in perfect English diction. Po boys. I stand the Po boys. Po stand. boys podcast with Pete and Josh. I'm Pete. And I'm Josh, and it's your week to edit, so I'm afraid of what might slip through the cracks, and so we're making sure that up front here, we're just saying Po boys. Um, and that we are properly identifying each other so that if something were to happen, that there would be... Yes, you'll know who's responsible. (laughs) And, I mean, if we have some great hot takes, you know... um, Sure, yes, that's what I'm concerned about, yes. I really, so there's, you know, these different um, podcasts, there's these different YouTubers that, like, have enough people in their team that they start like getting their own merch and their own identity. And Mm -hmm. just like there's the, you have that fantasy of there being like Pedro boys and they're only Pedro boys. And there's Tano boy fans and only Tano Uh. boy fans. Um, people that like would go around wearing only Pete merch and not, and, and instead (laughs) wearing only Josh merch is Oh boy with Pete. Yeah. And it'd be like, um, and it well, would just be... what, what did Christopher Sean said? He, he's, he called me the third, po, you know, he called you the third po boy and he said I was his favorite po boy. And then he said something else that just drew, drove me crazy for what he wrote for you. I forget what it was. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he signed my action figure, number one po boy, and he did give you bunny ears in a picture that we took together. Oh yeah. And uh, he, 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 he didn't, he didn't know. <laughs> That I have some, there's some issues when people try to show, oh, well, you're taller than me. It's like, okay, yeah, if I wanted to be taller, I would have proper uh, posture, but. Bunny ears is not a flex, a height flex. Oh, yeah. When was the last time you had, you saw a short person flex bunny ears on a really tall person? Oh, wait, they physically can't do it. So, you know what? That's it's just, more, you're, you're yeah, a heightist. You're, you're a heightist. It's okay. Even if you're reasonably short. You can still do bunny unless it's like I'm I'm trying to do like Yuna Swotomo who plays Chewbacca or something. Like most of your average you could bunny ears me, Pete. If you and I were taking a picture, you could bunny ears me. You're not Christopher Sean height though. I mean Christopher Sean You could bunny ears him too. Yeah. He's not that tall. I mean Okay, alright, let's Don't we, get me wrong. We kind and of also, got off quite the rails. frankly, if the person you're bunny's earsing is super short, you're the angles are all off. You can't you have to you can't get your wrist that way. You can't get your wrist in such a position to do bunny ears on someone who isn't at least at like chest level with you. It's interesting that we're talking about bunny ears um, and we've it already is, got, isn't and we've it? already gone off the rail because I've been seeing this stuff about how um, the universal sign for punching somebody, you know, where they do the circle with the three fingers, right, is being used as a sign for like white supremacy. Yeah, which has been a thing for a while, and it's actually uh, affected this podcast once. Did you know that? Uh, no. 
Um, but uh, asking for a friend, what 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 was that situation? <laughs> it's pretty mild, but uh, obviously, in the current political climate and with our current president, things like this have come to light a lot more. And I think the average person is maybe learning about alternate uses for everyday signs that you wouldn't know about. But at New York Comic Con. And this would have been two years ago. I mean, we had just started the podcast. It was before Resistance had even aired. Uh But at the show floor at New York Comic Con, they had um, a little version of the Fireball that you could pose with in a remote control BB-8. And so I took a picture with it with the intent of, oh, I'll put this on the pod. And I came up with, um, like... So my area code that I grew up in is 703. So there's like a 703 type hand signal thing you can do it's very dumb but whatever i was like oh hashtag I'll do like a 814 P. 814 everybody oh boy i did like a p and a b right okay so it's the same hand signal but it's shaped so i, I tried to pose with like a p and a b to be like po boys but it's essentially just that hand signal oh my god oriented and oriented in such a way that it's a, a p and like a lowercase b Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at the picture, and all that stuff had recently started coming out. And I was like, "Oh well, I don't think I can post this." <laughs> and I think it's I think it's a good thing that I haven't really a, blocked it out of my memory, or we never really talked about it. Um, but it is it is something that I have been thinking about of like childhood games and what's been happening in our society that's kind of changed the way we think about that. Now, like, did Mm -hmm. I ever do that, like, circle sign under my belt, you know, to have somebody get punched? A hundred percent, you know, Um, when I found... I knew about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a thing we played. I mean, we hit each other. We didn't do that. Yeah, and I stopped with the whole violence thing years ago when I realized Mm -hmm. that how swole I was and just that type of, like, physical and bodily harm that can happen from just one of my chiseled hands connecting with a target so yeah um for us you know we've we have our fists are weapons of mass destruction so i've had to kind of think about that before but for the average you know joe schmo that's something that they probably did a lot Mm -hmm. wow i mean getting a little political um talking about what's happening Let's I guess talking about bunnies. How did this come? Oh, because the games we played as kids. Yeah. 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 Um, bunnies, bunny, bunny earsing, bunnies earring, bunny earsing is I think what I'm going with. Well, you're writing the podcast description this week, so I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, it's just going to be something along the lines of some slight towards Josh and then some positive note towards Peter and then the description of what we actually do. Um, this is kind of my formula. Honestly so, enough, it tends to be my formula also. <laughs> <laughs> I think people would, I think people would have, um, well, I don't, I don't actually ever read your episode descriptions, so I don't know. I was going to say, I think people would be surprised at maybe who wrote the description week to week. And by people, I mean nobody, cause nobody's going to read them. Well, I think that it, the easiest thing is I plug all of our social medias. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you do because I also don't read oh, <laughs> your <yeah>. description. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually what happens is if if it's an episode that required particularly heavy editing that I had to listen to the whole thing like very in depth, I get sick of hearing my own voice, and so I usually write something on the description 
that is a slighter way of saying, well, Josh doesn't shut up this week. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got, we've got some stuff to talk about. Oh up yeah. Front, actually. All right. Let's sit down for dinner. What's the news? Let's see. Well, we already covered bunny earsing, so I can scratch that off the list. Um, I've got a great segue between these two things. All right. Hypothetic- Let's up front. Okay. Today, uh, as we're recording this, Ryan Johnson directed a Pokemon Go Fest commercial. Oh, my. Really? I just texted. I texted this to you like 10 minutes ago. I hoping so- that you would find the 30 seconds to watch it before we recorded. Oh, no. What I did was I forwarded it to every Pokemon Go person I know. Mm. So I'm sure so you have seen it. I'm sure. No, I haven't seen it. Um, I just forwarded nothing. Yeah, I mean it's but, fine. But I, I never in a million years would be like, oh wow, Ryan Johnson directed this. But I guess he directed it, you know, from um, quarantining or whatever. So it was all done. Here's the thing. Uh, distantly. Here's the thing: is that Pokemon, like Star Wars, they follow a formula. Got to one much catch more severely than the other. All, all right. Binding animals for your violent entertainment. <laughs> Having bikes but no cars. No fathers. I mean, it's got yeah, some pluses the, and minuses. The Genosians are big and in Pokemon. With Ryan Johnson, he shakes up the status quo. He kind of, he's a shaker and a mover. Oh, you thought you had this idea of the Jedi? Let me throw that out the window. Let me give you something that'll make you think a little bit more. All right? And what he's done with Pokemon in this virtual Pokemon Go Fest, $15, what a steal. You get regional Pokemon from Africa. You get Pokemon from South America. You get Pokemon from Asia. Wow. I mean, he honestly, he just brings something to the table that says, all right, I've been playing this game for three years. I'll spend $15 to go to this virtual Pokemon Go Fest. Would I do that for celebration? Absolutely not. Unless Ryan Johnson you directed spend it, fifteen dollars for for celebration. You wouldn't spend fifteen dollars to go to Star Wars celebration. Um, let's price it differently. So fifteen dollars <laughs> in Pokemon is like the equivalent of buying a celebration ticket. So like, wait, fifteen Pokemon Go dollars? It, they're real dollars, but like that's the most that I would ever spend in Pokemon Go. Like I would not spend, mm. you know celebration type money to go to a Pokemon event. Um, Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. would be like, it uh, it would honestly be almost the equivalent of buying one of those obnoxious VIP passes at celebration where they're like VIP. And then they just, you know, bypass three hours of waiting. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see the different projects people are doing. Um, because he, the, the only thing we've heard about Ryan Johnson is he has that um, undisclosed trilogy, which I don't know how many Game of, Thron- Game of Thrones fans are out there. Um, George R. R. Martin um, has been saying he's been writing more on this one book that's, you know, eight years in the making than he has at mm. any point because he's been in quarantine. Which makes you think... You know, everything's getting pushed back with Star Wars. Does that also mean that people are able to write more? So the writing process has streamlined and is is progressing a lot faster. 
Well, I know with, I think it's since ceased, but I, my understanding is for a time, um, like comic book writers that were not salaried at like the big two, Marvel and DC and stuff, I believe they were told to stop working for a minute because everything got backed up, distribution got backed up. So, I don't know if that was the case for comics as a whole, though. I mean, I'm sure you know, I'm sure there's guys they have on salary and stuff like that, but. Yeah, but for, I don't know. I'm sure with books proper, it's, it's very different. Yeah, like, like it's not a month-to-month thing. I mean, I would imagine for books, um, like they're still probably getting paid. They're going to get paid at the 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 release date. So, like that Alphabet Squadron book came out. Even if that person filled, um, you know, did it earlier, it would still be get the same release time. But I'm talking more about like screenwriting. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. you know, Josh. Um, you know, for, for listeners or new listeners, you know, you're a writer, you have some um, work that's been published. Have you, during mm. quarantine, found that you've been writing more or you've been writing less? I've been doing a pretty bad job. I finished a, I, I write by hand first and then I type things up and I finished a really, really long thing right before quarantine, right before my birthday. I wanted it done before my birthday. And it's a lot. And I have to type it up now. And it's the least favorite part of writing for me is staring at a notebook and then transposing it into a computer. So I've been doing a terrible job. Um, harass me about it and hopefully I'll get my act together because it's, it's been bad. I've been doing a bad job. I hate to give other um, companies platforms, but did you just take the George R. R. Martin where he writes all of his stuff on that like outdated computer from like the 70s? And then they have to like physically transport it to like a workable document. No, because I don't. I don't have uh, the stature for that kind of power play. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, are there? Do you have anything else in the news this week? Yes, Pokemon Go commercial with Ryan Johnson is very apropos because I've received a follow-up communication in regards to Pokemon Go. Um, this is about a quote-unquote listener, one-time guest on the show, who Pete had for a while, been snubbing on Pokemon Go. And an empl- a, a Po'Boy's LOC employee, so. Yes. Um, just yes. so you're aware, I um at the behest of Po'Boy's LLC's legal team. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to make a statement in the affirmation or negation due to the fact that this might I might be held liable later. So um, we, giving a voice to the voiceless and, and <laughs> po'boys, are going to talk about this, but you might think, oh, Pete, why aren't you giving a more human response? Why aren't you giving right. a response Legal that reasons. kind of gives you um, the idea that I'm hearing this person? And that's because we have so much money tied up and it's really difficult for us to um navigate this okay so josh if you could thank you for bringing my inquiry up with pete i'm glad to learn that pete was not mad at me he has since been sending me gifts in pokemon go regularly showing me that the po boys are true to their word and i graciously accept his apology i've begun following pete on letterbox and i humbly await to see if he will follow me in return Sincerely anonymous. Okay, so this person um, who is a Po'Boys employee, I thought it was going to be a lot more negative, so that's why I had all that stuff <laughs> at the beginning. 
Oh, and then at the very end it says, oh, and Pete is the Artemis Fowl of people. That's He didn't say that. Um, because that is an unforgivable statement, and I will burn his department <laughs> to the ground. Um, <laughs> so, assume, you know, just thank you to that person for that kind comment. It makes me think about something in life where this guy, and clearly there's something psychological with him, he expects everything to be two-way. So he does an action, he expects to receive app compensation. And, you know, for for work, that's fine. But Josh and I, as po'boys, we throw things out there into the ether, and we don't expect people to have to um, return our love. Like, we do this pod week to week, and mm-hmm. do we have thousands and thousands of followers? I haven't looked at the numbers lately. Do we? I don't know. But not important. Not important. All right. Be- We're not. We don't need the. Yeah. We don't need to get out of this podcast what we put into it. And even even we don't even need to get what we put into it. That not even that much. We don't even need that. Because hashtag bit. for the fans. Twenty twenty hashtag for the fans. Hashtag twenty twenty hashtag for the fans. And to this insecure employee. All right. <laughs> I would all I would say to you is that your life and value should not be dictated on the well wishes of me, Peter FX on my Pokemon Go. Feel free to add me or Pete Susco. Feel free to add me on my letterbox should not be dictated on that. You should not be looking at the phone all day. And now I have to add him just so that he feels better. You should not be dictating your value and your happiness based on whether a celebrity like myself or Josh acknowledges mm-hmm. you. All right. You need to mm-hmm. be proud of the accomplishments, accomplishments you made. Is it investigating? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Is it cybersecurity? Uh, it's, it remains to be seen. We're still, we still have some, some things going on with jo- Johnny F. But all <laughs> I would say for um, this person who said this very nice comment um, is for you to look inside and for, that you are valuable and to stop talking to me about it and I'll send you some gifts. <laughs> well, that's super generous. Uh, I'm sure we won't hear anything back on that. And then lastly, I just wanted to thank, speaking of the energy we put in and the energy we get back from doing this, just a watershed of responses to Ooh, a recent watershed. poll that we put up. Oh, oh yeah, this was a great just, poll. Just an utter onslaught of responses. A deluge. Yeah, to the poll that, that P put up. A torrential downpour of responses. Honestly, uh, as, some people would, like, like, President Trump, he had this Tulsa rally and nobody showed up. Um, people showed up for this poll. People showed up in a big, in a big way. way. In a in a, big, they showed big up in a way. big way. Um, at Poboys Podcast is our Twitter account. Please do not follow us because if we hit three more followers, I have to write fan fiction, and I'm got a lot going on right now. So, um, sure. The, the, we got this poll, and yes. how many? Um, what was what was the question? How many people responded? Um, what are our thoughts and feelings about this? Uh, I'm still trying to find our our, our Twitter account. Oh, I, I, I have it. Search for Boys Podcast Twitter. The first result was Boys Podcast, which <laughs> I'll probably check out now. 
Uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Seven votes! Whoa! Whoa. That's even higher! 7,000 votes. Wow. Seven, seven votes. Wow! Um, should Josh name his new dog Raylo? My girlfriend recently had a major accomplishment. I'm getting her a dog as a gift for that. By the time this episode is out, it appears that I may have a dog. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Big. You would know that if you asked me more questions about my life when we were doing small talk up front. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm so bad at small I, talk. I, 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 I like, oh, you know, I think, I think, I think Raylo would be a fun dog name. And uh, seven people. Well, actually, does a hundred percent of people did they vote yes? I just saw there were seven votes. I didn't even see what oh, the votes um, were. It's eighty-five percent yes, fifteen percent no. So we have some detractors, and mm, mm. I do vote on my two my pu- public and private accounts. I only voted. Uh-huh, I only voted uh-huh. once. I only voted in the positive because. And listeners, I'm sure if you have a dog owner, if you're a dog owner, you're in the city people take their dogs to dog parks and they'll shout their, they'll shout their names. So their dog will come to them. And I just love the idea of you and your girlfriend being at a dog park. And then one of you yelling Raylo and then mm-hmm. the like three star Wars fans, you know, th- there's multiple, there's probably multiple people that like star Wars at a dog park, but like the two or three that can actually connect the dots and just the look of like, yeah confusion and smirk and like this person really named their kid their dog raylo that that to me is worth it i bring this all up to say it's not happening i'm trying man oh i'm really trying she's not biting (laughs) (laughs) biting got it it doesn't it doesn't help that quite frankly neither of us identify as raylos (laughs) um i feel like like i'm not a part of that um that momentum or that drive. I'm not a part of that fan group. I don't have any desires towards that romantic coupling. I just, so Josh, I appreciate that fan group Josh, and their creative output. If you were to take somebody and say, you know, just these two facts, you don't know anything else about them. Um, person, person on exhibit one wrote Raylo fan fiction then got mm-hmm. a dog and named him Raylo. What would you think about that person? Yeah, but apparently they stand not going to get a dog and name Raylo. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, it sounds like if we got two dogs, I'd be allowed to name the second one Raylo. So by the time but for this first one, it's not happening. That's big news. I mean, hopefully, you know. But maybe if we have like a huge bunch more, you know, listeners vote, you know. I should have, the, I should the have asked her before, with the, the poll ends before this episode comes out. I know. That's the best part. Um, uh, I, I, should have, I should have had her give me a number. How many people have to vote yes <laughs> for us to name it Dog Ray Love? Um, I actually, I would I, I would really love for you, instead of you texting me the dog, post it on our, um, our Twitter. Oh, no, I'm not like that. Um, I know you're not like that. But if you... If you My dog is not for the fans. <laughs> The, my dog is I think for the me. fans want well one hashtag for the fans so you have no yeah oh, you yeah. have no agency but that's, for the, that's me um two uh we'll see okay that's really that's really big news my dog is not for the fans my dog is to bench press um because now 
you know, in two years when we're 32 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we're finally getting ready to go to Star Wars Celebration. And we're, like, going to Star Wars Celebration, and we have the tickets. Oh, by the way, um, mm. Star Wars fans, you have until, like, August 22nd to transfer your ticket over. Oh, I have not yeah. done that. Um, no, me neither. But it's the 22nd, I believe. Um, you're actually going to come to the, the dog stand of Star Wars Dog Toys at Celebration. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Okay, so we'll see. We got some life news. We got some news that we dragged out. Um, let's yeah, get into yeah. our second part of Recaparama, where we re- Recaparama in July, where baby. we recap things that we watched um, in Star Wars. So last week's mm-hmm. episode, we covered Episode Nine. Yeah, we revisited that for the first time pretty much since it came out. Yeah, and... Uh, and then this week, we're kind of taking it in order of when these things wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, wrapped, wrapped so, up. So, I mean, it was... The, it was was it the day? It wasn't the day after. It was the week after. Oh, with a Mandalorian? Right? It was like the Monday after, I think. Because the, the seventh episode came out the day before episode nine. Mm-hmm. And then I think because of the holidays, the finale was on like a Monday or Tuesday. Maybe? No, that can't be right. But anyway. if only this, this is one of the things Wikipedia can remedy like almost immediately. Um, it was on the 27th, December 27th. So that would have been a Monday. Oh, OK. Yeah. So it was loaded up. OK. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. So we talked we've talked about every episode of The Mandalorian as it aired. You can go back and listen to Pedro Boys on that. But we never actually got to sit down with the, the whole first season uh, and the show in general and what it was versus our expectations and what we thought of the whole thing and, and stuff like that. So this week, yeah, we wanted to get into Mandalorian Season 1, not just a specific episode, but the whole thing. I think a great launch pad for this, by the way, is that they just announced... No, they didn't. Mandalorian Art Book. Ooh, Art <laughs> and it's by the guy who the author who does all the art books for the movies and it's under that same publishing line so i expect that it will be of a similar caliber to the film art josh books, what i i, I said high water art, okay like i don't know how much more excited i can be for you i know that you i'm not i know you really like this talking to you oh okay um i i'm never talking <laughs> to you pete Okay, well, that was... I'm talking to the fans. Oh, okay. Are you, um, you wanna... So, yeah, they announced that. That's coming cool, out cool, not cool. until December, though. So I'm wondering also if, like... Stocking stuffer. Maybe when that comes out, we'll get... Sure. We'll get um, some sort of announcement about the soundtrack maybe being released in a physical format on vinyl or something like that. But, it, I mean, it's a lot of music. That would be a lot of final so i don't know but i'm pretty excited for that and so yeah mandalorian season one pete you said that you did not uh get in touch with me to record yesterday night which worked out fine for me you'll notice i never texted you either because you were binging for the pod were you re-watching all of this i um to have a moment of just relation to our fans that are students where you don't remember what's on the test, but so you cram a little uh, bit of everything. 
Um, I didn't know if we were covering Resistance or Mandalorian today, so I dipped in a little bit of each. Um, mm. And then I, in my run, I listened to the Mandalorian... Jawa attack. Um, the Jawa attack, and I was like, get over here, Sandcrawler! Get over here! Don't hey, leave me! Come um, hey. So I... I the part I've I've since watched the parts I liked a few times. Um, as you know, I'm somebody that picks and chooses. So like the the episode two is like one of my favorite episodes. And I agree. The Jawa chase, the Mudhorn fight, and then the very first where he fights the Trandoshans. Those are kind of the three big ones for me. Mm hmm. But I think um, a good way to start this is talking about what expectations we had for it and then what, you know, kind of unfolded and what, you know, were we satisfied with that? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about that going into the show, Baby Yoda was nothing. Like, Baby Yoda didn't exist. That wasn't a thing on our radar. Um. And it's just like my idea for what the show is. I even just have trouble um, reconnecting with that, those ideas. I guess I could just go back and listen to the episode of our podcast, but I'd rather die. Uh, But yeah, because I I remember based on not knowing that there'd be a baby in it, I think I did sort of expect it would be a little standalone-ish in nature, like a bounty of the week, at least for parts of it. But... Yeah, this show ended up being a lot, a lot different than I thought it would be. Though I don't know that I had all that much of a concrete notion of what I thought it would I be. I was I the things I knew going into it were I was very excited about the cast. Um, yes. I was very excited and about the direct the directing. Um, I some point I had some like vague like, what's the time frame of this? Um, and like, are we going to see a lot of Pedro Pascal? Um, so I was thinking about it more from like a Boba Fett standpoint, like, oh, you're going to include Boba Fett into this, or there's going to be more along those lines. And I was completely off base for that. Um, Mm -hmm. the, like it, each of them are standalone episodes. I really liked. And that was kind of along the lines what I what I was thinking. I didn't think I I at no point did I have any intention that it was going to spill over into the movies. I was actually kind of surprised when a yeah. little Yanni his force power was the force power shown in episode nine. So there was more of a crossover insofar as you can do you know crossovers in TV and movies for Star Wars because there's so many things that cross over. Mm. Um, that that was a mm-hmm. little bit surprising for me. I didn't think Mandalorian and Episode Nine were going to have anything remotely consistent with each other. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's interesting. I've got a few thoughts here. Um, in terms of it crossing over with the rest of the saga, let's get back to that in a moment. I guess in terms of rewatching, I want to touch on you mentioning. I think we've both said that it's it's a standalone show. I. Thinking back on it, it's, I mean, that's not necessarily true. It's not exactly standalone, but it is very easy to drop in and out of. And to my mind, it's sort of a hybrid of the type of pacing 
between a Clone Wars and a Rebels, where Clone Wars was you really didn't have any idea where you might end up week to week. What characters, what planet, you could be following a villain for four weeks, it, you know. And Rebels was very much serialized. Yeah, the and, casting crew. You know, yeah. Right. Well, and, and the story, it built on itself, um, as, as this show does as well. But I think it kind of borrows a bit of the sort of pacing and status quo of both, because it does hop around, but it also shares a central cast of even if just, just one guy and a little baby. And here's... But we do get... Defin- like, I've, I've got it grouped out here. I was thinking about it. You sort of have the first three episodes which are almost a little movie, I guess, where he goes and gets Yanni, he gives Yanni up, he takes Yanni back. It's a statement of purpose. Okay, it's me. And okay, baby, yeah. You know? Then you have four through six, which these are the true standalone episodes. You have him showing up at the farm. You have him going to Tatooine. You have him doing the prison break. And they, they don't really need to occur in any given order within this I'd season. I agree with that. I mean, they, you know, there's, there's, certain stuff that carries over but as far as you know the broad elements of the episode they could happen whenever um and that's the real standalone element there and then you have the you know episode seven and eight are essentially a movie on the back end where you have most of the cast coming back and and coming together and so for the rewatch back right before the pandemic pete you were down here i had a party and a a get together right in the nick of time Um, socially distanced party with lots of hand sanitizer all right I true. I mean, I heard the term socially distancing like that day, so it was uh, yeah, right up against it. Um, but we, I rewatched some episodes that weekend. I rewatched the first four episodes. Episode four, I watched with you, and then I thought about rewatching the rest of the season before this podcast recording. Um, but I did realize, much as I broke it up into threes there. I do also in my mind kind of break it up into episode into two episode source of arcs, mostly because uh, I really like this show. But episode five and six, I don't care for quite as much. Uh, the prison break episode in particular is a, a not a favorite of mine. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just wasn't compelled to watch it. And then I was like, maybe I'll just watch the last two. And it's so a long story short. I didn't watch. I don't rewatch any of it. <laughs> um, as far as I know, Bill Burr's dead. Um, the, the real brilliance <laughs> of those episodes though, like four through six, four through six mm-hmm. is, and they, and they talked about this in the Disney gallery, um, documentary is that, you have your beginning and you have your end. So it allows them some creative freedom of where do you want to go? What do you want to, um, you know, mimic? So, you know, they did like what a couple Kurosawa films that it was referenced to like the episode that Bryce Dallas Howard did. Yeah. Episode four is a retelling of seven samurai. Right. Um, it allows them to have more kind of creative freedom because it looks like, um, Rick was one of the big people behind that heist idea. Yeah, and he he wrote that episode. He's one of the him, and maybe one other co-writer. But yeah, him and Dave Filoni are the only people other than John Favreau to actually write episodes. Right, and you know, Josh and I are you know I'm not the hugest fan of that heist idea either. Um, 
I thought that I mean, if they had taken out Twi'leks, I would have like probably liked that episode a lot more. But that's just my per- personal disinterest with with that. Yeah, I just I just didn't care for the rogues. I like the trope. I like the style, like the the heist or the prison break. I just I literally just did both of those things in Uncharted I, Four. I just can't ruled, imagine Matt but. Latner, you know, not taking out all those people. Like Anakin <laughs> would have been like, bye. And then he would have taken out all those Karens in like a heartbeat. And then like, oh my gosh, Matt Latner just is like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then just dies. Like, what's up with that? No, you don't do that to my boy. Um, you tell him. Yeah. So our we kind of came into the show with no idea of what it actually ended up being. Um, but like it is its own like. I think it firmly has like stamped and punched its own ticket as something that I'm going to be referencing that I recommend a bunch of people watch. Like I've already watched episodes of the Mandalorian that I recommend to people who are like, don't even have Disney plus because they don't have the sweet TV, um, the sweet phone plan that you and I have, although we're going to be paying for them soon. Um, sure. And it's, it's definitely something like if somebody, if somebody asks, is Disney plus worth it? For the Mandalorian, I'd say for sure. It's 100%. It'll be weird when I actually have to pay for it, though, because I'm not... I'll watch Hamilton at some point, but I mean... I'm not watching... I mean, granted, you know, I was watching the Disney Gallery show every week, and that just ended. Um, so I don't know. But, yeah, it was interesting. It really... It really um, subverted expectations in, in a unique and interesting ways um we talk about the standalone elements of that show but i think we should also talk about its place within the star wars saga as a whole and there's two things i want to talk about on that one being um the expansion of the mandalorian mythos because you and i as as viewers of clone wars as viewers of rebels have long been familiar with that and have have seen it de- evolve and develop over the last 10 years through Dave Filoni and, and company's storytelling and animation. Uh-huh. Uh, so that, to me, the major connectivity between this show and the rest of Star Wars comes in the expansion of those mythos and um, providing a little breadcrumbs as to what happened after the last time we see Mandalorians and Star Wars Rebels. And... I, um, it was interesting. Sometimes I, I worry that Mandalorians suffer from, um, let's call it most interesting man in the world syndrome or something. The example I always go to is Matthew McConaughey's character in the first season of True Detective, which I love. I love that performance. I love that show. But over the course of the first few episodes, you just keep finding out unique and quirky and fascinating things Uh about him to the point where it's like I think it's like a second or third episode you find out he has synesthesia and it's like synesthesia on its own is fine but it's just like compounding interesting cool things that you are writing into this character to the point where it just becomes too much sometimes I worry that that's the case with the Mandalorian Hmm. where it's just it's too much like, the mythos of the Jedi is, like, much simpler, even though it's 
supposed to have occurred over the course of like thousands and thousands of years. And I guess Mandalorians have as well. But uh, just we already know so much about the Mandalorians going into this. And granted, that's not everyone. I would probably go out on a limb and say a majority of the people that watch the Mandalorian haven't watched Clone Wars or, or Rebels. So they're coming into mm-hmm. it fresh. But coming into it with the lore that we've gotten from Clone Wars and Rebels, to then, on top of that, introduce all of this new stuff, like they never take their helmet off, the whole this is the way thing, uh, it just feels like a lot of lore on top of more lore. And I I mean, I, I trust them to do the legwork to connect those things, and it doesn't, it's not driving me crazy uh-huh. or anything, but yeah, to me, that's the major connectivity with it and the rest of the Star Wars saga. So... And yeah, and that's interesting too. Of uh, they they definitely do a thing that like New Hope did, where they ex- they show their story, and they just allow you to fill in the dots. Like they never show the Emperor. They talk about the Senate, and they never explain mm-hmm. the Senate. So they explain mm-hmm. a lot of things that are happening with Mandalorians. That if you didn't watch Clone Wars, you didn't watch Rebels you would be okay with the basic information. Like there is this group of Mandalorians. They don't have their helmets. Um, yeah. So it's nice that they're kind of, um, relying on that and you know, it's star Wars. So they extrapolate literally everything. So we'll know through Mm -hmm. a a wide variety of media, um, how this all works to your point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. To your point of, what it brings to the saga, I kind of view it as a, I, I view the movies as big tent. And then an, I view TV. I view the comics, the books, which I'm um, bigger into of allowing to explain questions that I had about the movies and to provide their own mm-hmm. separate little stories. So like right now I'm reading, um, the alphabet squadron. So it shows uh, pockets that the book shows pockets of these fighter groups that are right after episode six. So like the empire still around and it follows this one group that is led by a character from the TV show fighting in the war and provides some more context for all of that. And for this, mm-hmm. you know, we, when you watch episode six, you know, they have that, um, that party, on Endor with those like um, cannibal- cannibalized bears that are just like eating stormtroopers and um, dancing on their graves, um, no, no, no. Um, which is, yeah. you know, a little gory when you think about it. But it's like, what's what's next? You know, we go from there to, you know, Luke has given up everything. We can't find him. Right. And this kind of right. provides a pocket. So the thing I'm really excited about is like we have a little Yanni and we know that little Yanni is not in the trilogy. We know that Luke is somebody that has, you know, lost literally everybody close to him. So, like, either little Yanni is going to die or little Yanni never gets to meet Luke um, based on what mm-hmm. we know. So it's providing this kind of story that I think really enhances the rest of it. Just like just like Rogue One, you know, um, did I ever care that mm-hmm. there was like a pinball sized hole in the Death Star. No, like anybody who would ever debate me about that of like the Death Star, like that's the dumbest thing ever to have that thing right there. It's a movie like just move on, dude. 
Um, <laughs> but it really adds on to it. Like it made Rogue One made me care about all these doomed characters putting everything on the line so that a one sentence line from New Hope made sense in context and had context to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and, and in asking you that question about about where this fits in the saga and where what it does for the saga, I, I ask that out of intellectual curiosity, not because I think that this every piece of Star Wars to me doesn't need to uplift the whole saga or uproot everything we know about everything. I think that's a pitfall of some things where they, you know, there's a fine line to meet between having to entirely stay out of the shadow of any major events or any major characters. But, you know, on the opposite side of that, not every piece of Star Wars needs 5,000 ships and a new Death Star. Um, so I I really enjoyed the scale of this. And, and to me, in addition to the Mandalorian mythos, which is a, is a very literal touching up on the saga and kind of adding to the mythos of it, I really, I often like to think, because in, in the Star Wars climate we're in now, with stuff coming out so much more consistently, the chronology of Star Wars changes a lot, and I like to try to keep it in order in my head and imagine what it's like discovering the story in order as it exists currently. And so with that in mind, uh, The Mandalorian is the current direct follow-up to The Return of the Jedi in terms of cinematic or television, you know, not in the Mm -hmm. books, obviously, but, yeah, cinematically, The Mandalorian, not Force Awakens, is now the direct follow-up to Return of the Jedi. And so I found myself going into this episode kind of thinking about um, discovering the Disney-era sequel trilogy status quo through The Mandalorian versus discovering it through um, Force Awakens. And I I much prefer this introduction to the new state of the galaxy in The Mandalorian. I think, like you were saying, Pete, it does something very similar to A New Hope where it gives you hints of things, but it, it never explains it. But I, because to my mind, I mean, I know, I know, I say it every freaking episode, but I just don't feel like Force Awakens even gave you hints. It just sort of gave you proper nouns and then no context for that. Whereas Mandalorian, it never explicitly states what the status quo of the galaxy is, but you're able to intuit, oh, the Empire's gone, there's remnants, they're kind of disjointed, there's local warlords that have, you know, held together what small pocket of imperial power they have, but they no longer have a fleet of Star Destroyers to back them up whenever they want. And so that's sort of the status quo we find ourselves in. And I find that very endearing in a very cool way of introducing this new era. And Josh, to be... Um, a Force Awakens stand and to just defend it from these relentless attacks on Force Awakens because oh, Force because Awakens you, is a five star movie. I, you, because I you love that movie. Hate Force Awakens. Um, <laughs> you know that's that's been well documented about how you're so anti Force Awakens. Um, is that that's it's also a luxury of the show. You know this is. I know Johnny F for how much of a scumbag he is, but he kind of correctly says mm-hmm. like, this is a, a, a movie that is shown over the course of, you know, three and three hours, I believe maybe a little bit longer mm-hmm. um, than, than that. So they have the luxury of slowing things down because it's a much smaller story 
and it's something that they can take the time to do. Whereas in Force Awakens, you know, they had to introduce a new a new saga. They had to get from one place to the other, and they didn't even have time to you know really bring Mark Hamill in if they wanted to because of how much stuff that they were throwing in, how many characters that they were throwing in, etc. So that's a really nice thing about the TV medium is that you have time to slow things down, explain backstories, you know, and we learned more about Cara Dune. We learned more about Queel than we ever did about Finn or we ever did about Poe in Force Awakens. And it's just because of that slowdown that we're able to do. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the longer form medium giving you more time. I don't. I'm not letting Force Awakens off the hook for its. Give it a break. Uh, Give it a break. It's a great movie. All right. I know you. I know you hate it, oh, but I love it. it's fine. All right. I love it. Five star movie. I adore it. But uh, I also, going off of what you again had, had said about A New Hope, sort of sprinkling in information and stuff, and talking about George R. R. Martin and what he's been up to in quarantine. Uh, just in touching on how you figure out what's going on in the galaxy of Mandalorian and, and how you figure out what the situation is, it's a little similar, I think, to... And nothing in the show that happens this season was that huge, but similar to Game of Thrones books, where in the books you would often find out about major, major things through conversation or through things overheard right. at a bar yeah. or you know just small details or small hints or details that hint at the broader state of things and i think the mandalorian does that a lot i mean even in just having new republic x-wings coming in to attack that prison at the very end of that one episode that can set your imagination off and it it, it can give you an idea of where things are at without beating over the head with it it you know it implies a lot more than it is, which is exciting. And I, I think a really rewarding way of describing the toy box you're playing in, because no one in real life ever just blurts out the state of things. You know, that's not how characters work. So doing it that way make, makes it feel... Um, more organic and it, it still leaves a little bit to the imagination, which is pretty cool. And then touching on what you said about Lil Yanni and how we know that he's not around for the sequel. Well, we, we know he's not in the, you know, resistance or whatever in the sequel trilogy. Um, I did have some thoughts on that that I also wanted to share with you because you and I growing up very much in the prequel era and then becoming really big fans of Star Wars through Clone Wars and really liking Rebels. These are sort of, you know, the Star Wars of our day uh -huh. was the prequel trilogy. And then, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels, I think, are also near and dear to us. The sequel trilogy, for us, for people in our age bracket, represented a rare deviation from inevitable doom that has colored all of the Star Wars we've mm -hmm. ever gotten because the original trilogy is wide open. Anything could happen. But every piece of Star Wars after that, you know, the prequels are all flavored well, well all the Jedi are going to go. He's going to become Darth Vader. The Empire is going to win. 
And so all that, all of Clone Wars, it's all colored with that. All of Rebels is colored with, oh, I never saw all these guys in New Hope. Something bad's going to happen with them. Rogue One, obviously, in the shade or in the shadow of, of A New Hope. The Resi- Star Wars Resistance, you know, we knew the events of Episode 7 were coming. And now, you know, once again with Mandalorian, we similarly know, you know, the events betray- portrayed in uh, Last Jedi with Kylo turning on Luke and the rise of the First Order. We uh, we're back. We're back in the Star Wars of our the Star Wars storytelling uh, that we grew up with, which is this weird nebulous finish line at the end. And that wasn't there for a hot second with seven, eight, nine. That wasn't there for a hot second. It was the future is wide open, but now we're back to you know we got this weird ticking clock. Where it's like we know at least this we know a few huge bad things are going to happen, and we know where these characters can't be, and it usually doesn't mean that they're dead. But you know, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you does that enhance it for you? This the sense of mystery of knowing a little bit of what's going to happen, but not knowing how. Well, so Josh, the 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 benefit I think that this show gets that Force Awakens doesn't get is that. We're also in an era that has been one of the most drawn out and detailed of all of the exp- the EU. So, like, for me, you know, I read those EU books, not like as like mm-hmm. not like growing up, um, but, you know, before the Disney merger, I'd read like 15 of those books. So it's something that's, you know, a little bit more detailed um, you know, there's been video games that are after episode six. We've kind of talked about where those things are. For me, the m- most exciting thing is the connection to things I love. So, like, I'm excited about the ex- potentially explaining the Jedi that Luke has, potentially explaining mm-hmm. where ahsoka and sabine are going potentially explaining Mm -hmm. you know the boba fett or rex stuff that we've been seeing with all these rumors so i am Mm -hmm. the thing that's been going to the most with me is the fact that i'm in this context of you know an area that i kind of generally know things that are happening through you know the past um because they're a great thing star wars has done is it, it grabs stuff that they know that works and they that they like you know like Thrawn, for example, you know, is an EU character that was thrown back in. And then on top of that, kind of connecting it to things that, you know, we, you and me as like big Star Wars fans can kind of say this can lead to something even more interesting down the line. Mm-hmm. So when it if you have your druthers, though, in a star in a Star Wars storytelling, do you prefer the having an, having the future wide open as we did with the sequel trilogy where we did not have any storytelling past a certain point and so there was a sense that anything could happen versus something like a majority of the Star Wars you and I have gotten which is we're heading towards this cataclysmic point on the map that we know um, happens I so I, I does that enhance it for I, you does that detract it, from I it I put for things you? in context so I think Another way of me thinking about it is knowing that this is between six and seven. Um, I want more context, mm-hmm. but 
Like, if you ask me about episode 10, you know, I want all the possibilities. I have no idea. You know, I have my idea of what I want Grandmaster um, Ray to do, Ray Skywalker to do. Um, <laughs> but I think that's I think that's kind of the context. So like Force Awakens, I would have been much more down for the open idea of like a Jedi Academy, more explanation of internal politics of the New Republic and a more traditional like new Sith versus new Jedi kind of thing. Um, but for a TV show like this, which is I view it more as a rogue one or a solo where it's adding to the story and it's, you know, explaining a pocket of star Wars that we hadn't seen before. I kind of prefer the knowing certain areas, knowing where things are going here and there. And we, we, we do. And we do. Mm. You like, the yeah. And we do. Kinda. And we do. And we don't like, you know, it sucks okay. that we know that little mm-hmm. Yanni is not going to meet Luke or he'll die um, if he does meet Luke. Um, Which, I mean, we genuinely don't. Actually and we know that know Ahsoka that. is going to die. Um, although, is it confirmed? Can we talk about Ahsoka <laughs> enough? Like, is it confirmed that she is in season two or is that still? I don't think that. It hasn't been confirmed. I mean, they had a bunch of news breaking about Rosario Dawson. Um, but it was, uh, Cause I, I never, feel like I keep acting as if this is like uh, fact when it could be fiction. Um, but we yeah. know she's, we know she's dead. Um, we know but we it, don't. coming into episode nine, but we don't not if Dave Filoni's cryptic tweets. Are okay. You're going to have to explain that because she's in, she, I, she's, she is part of the B with me. Okay. I know. So. Well, what yeah. is it? What, what are his? We talked about that, and then in the in the, within the aftermath of that movie coming out, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was in an interview. But Dave Filoni did his typical like, "Oh, Ahsoka's dead," and they're like, eh, <laughs> "That was like so. the most negative Filoni thing we've ever said on the pod." Oh, yeah, Dave I Filoni! I'm, I'm I'm getting you. D- I I ate <laughs> a very big dinner. If I talk too loud or I do too much talking i'm gonna cough because i'm so full and so i can't put my all into a dave flowing impression i love dave Filoni, listeners my best friend he stands he he's i was not trying he to stands force dave awakens Filoni. he stands dave Filoni, yeah. and i can't and i hate star I, and wars i can't believe I hate this podcast. that when we started this episode and you're like which one of us is going to get canceled that it would it would be uh it would be you so um yeah. But fans of fans of Dave Filoni know what I'm talking about, where he will get he'll get a little mischievous about certain questions. Um, well, his his favorite thing is and he, people speculating. That came up. He, and he, he got he a little mischievous about to not it. Not set things in stone because he loves to see where people go with it. He loves to see people's fan theories. He's right. that's that's a big part of what he is trying to do with that. Now what are so we've re, we're recapping the first season of Mandalorian. What are things you're mm-hmm. looking forward to in season two? Yeah, so it seems like, and we talk the the ways we talked about this show brushing up on Star Wars at large, they are kind of minor. You know, it's you go to Tatooine. Uh, you know, we we get reference to Mandalorians, which we got in Clone Wars and Rebels, but it's it's not it hasn't really put its foot down in terms of like, all right, now we're 
we're going to take out the toys you know and play with them. And it seems like season two is gearing up in a big way to start doing that, uh, which is exciting. And I, it's one of the things that got me into Clone Wars very early on was when Clone Wars started touching larger Star Wars characters and, and showing you, you know, early versions of Admiral Ackbar or Bosk or things like that. That got me very excited. And I think it seems that that's the way season two is going. And that excites me. Not only because I'm excited about the prospect of those characters, but I also think that this show did such a good job establishing itself in its own right in the first season. I think it very smartly didn't touch on broader Star Wars that much because it teaches you what this iteration of Star Wars is. It sets the standard for these are. characters. And mm-hmm, exactly. And and so now I've developed an affection for those characters. In a way that, you know, watching Clone Wars as a much younger person, I didn't necessarily have a great affection for Rex or Ahsoka, Ahsoka when I first took started a while. watching that show. Now in hindsight, Ahsoka took a while. It. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I told I you multiple times when we first started, but, when, you know, we were talking about Clone Wars, is Ahsoka was not one of my favorite characters. I was not looking forward yeah. to seeing Ahsoka, but as it progressed, you know, you get more and more out of these characters. Um there are people that you like. And I feel like for season two, we have a good cast of characters where, you know, do I see, need to see more Cara Dune? Not necessarily in terms of backstory. Like I, I see where she's at and I want to see where she can be in terms of backing up a little Yanni backing up one of the dumbest star Wars Mm -hmm. names of all time. So I'm not going to say it. Um, Oh, (laughs) yeah. Jumanji house. House Mont. No, that's not great. Um, keep going, keep, keep going. going. So um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's end with um, one last kind of thing that we're thinking about for this. Um, so Josh, do you want to uh, um, roll us out? Uh, sure, I guess. I mean, the only note I have left, and it's more kind of speculative, I don't know about all this kind of stuff, and I don't know what the budget on The Mandalorian is. I'm sure it's probably pretty huge. But I think for a while now, um, moviegoers or movie fans have, you you will hear them maligning sort of the death of uh, mid-budget films. You know, there's really no middle ground anymore in between, like, the big giant temple Marvel movie or the super, super small indie film, both of which Taika Waititi directed masterfully. And, you know, in the eighties or the nineties, there would, there would be this, this middle ground, you know, your, your $60 million movies and stuff that, you know, they had some production Mm -hmm. value, but they wasn't necessarily the world's going to end. Do we have to show it in excruciating detail? And it has to have all the biggest stars. You know, there was a middle ground. And watching the making up with this, I'm sure establishing a lot of the technology up front was probably pretty pricey, but it seems like they've got their process down in such a way that I think on a very broad scale outside of even Star Wars, I think that the Mandalorian seems like it, it could be um, exported and also just that it, it fills the void. And I guess you would argue prestige television has been doing this for 10 years now. Uh, but it kind of fills the void of, of, you know, the mid-budget films where it's, you know, there's still stakes, there's still production value, but it's not so big that you can't comprehend it. Like, it doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world. It can be middle. 
so um, what? Cold, cold take, take, and we turned it hot with all of our hot takes. Um, if you'd like to follow us, poboyspodcast at gmail.com is our email, which I don't know why I said follow. It's very late. I'm very tired. 